Yes, sir. Welcome to the Vol Bros. My name is Evan. This is my brother, Rustin, and we are two Vol Bros who are actually bros in real life. I always have to check Rustin's name now to see if he's got a clever one up there for the evening. Um, welcome to, uh, uh, I think, the 92nd show of the Vol Bros. Uh, we have obviously a lot to talk about this evening. We've already had a really good question be dropped in the comments. So if you're joining us on Facebook, YouTube, or X, uh, welcome. We are glad you are with us. First thing real quick we're going to talk about, because I'm sure everyone would much prefer to talk about the 2024 schedule release than a basketball game against Georgia Southern, which the team kind of took the second half off. Um, I'm sure everybody would much prefer to talk about the first uh, thing I mentioned. So, Rustin, very quickly, let's talk about what you saw yesterday. What were your takeaways uh, from the game yesterday, the Vol Hoops against Georgia Southern? Um, I think the, the biggest thing was what Rick Barnes said after the game. How in the world does no one have double-figure rebounds but Jonas? Um, we were better than them at every position. We were faster than it, them at every position. <clears throat> um, you know, And what it comes down to is just lackadaisical play in the second half. We got a massive lead, and then we coasted. Um, I like that Rick made a statement and benched Josiah. Um, for about the last 15 minutes of the game. And then after the game said publicly, why? Um, you know, you're, you don't value the ball. You don't value possessions. We don't value you playing. Um, you know, that's a great game to make that statement, especially to some of the younger guys. You know, they, they just saw a 27th year senior get benched. Um, you know, so that's, that'll speak, that'll speak to them. Um, Thought Jonas Adu had an amazing game in a lot of ways, not just just the unbelievable scoring um, outpouring he had, but thought he did a lot of the little things really well, a lot better than he did the last game. Um, it's it's been it's been cool to watch his development. He's just getting better and better. Is there anybody that can even begin to c- compete with Jonas for player of the game? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I think he is 100% the player of the game. Um, you know, I echo your thoughts as well. I will say the one thing that I was happy to see is it didn't seem like there was uh, a, a long stretch of time where we couldn't shoot the ball well. Uh, there was a pretty decent little stretch there where we weren't taking care of the ball, uh, getting a little, you know, careless with it when we were up by like, well, you know, prime example, we were up by about 2021 and all of a sudden we were up by 13 because they were just getting careless with the ball, thinking the game was, you know, won and taken care of. And all of a sudden it wasn't. And so, uh, you know, kudos to Georgia Southern for staying with it, sticking with it. Um, Zakai really, uh, turned up the heat on defense there with about seven minutes left, uh, which kind of, swung the momentum back towards Tennessee. But uh, I think clearly Jonas, I do player of the game. No doubt about it. You can't really use any other person. Do you have a play of the game you want to mention? Um, I, There wasn't really anything that stuck out. I mean, Jonas scoring the first 10 points of the game was pretty stinking impressive. Um, <laughs> you know, in, in literally every way possible. I mean, he, you hit mid-range jumpers. He hit post-up moves. He had a free throw. He had a three. Um, he literally scored from every angle. Um, so that was, I don't know about a play of the game, but if you want to call the first four minutes of the game impressive, he <laughs> pretty much took that over. Yeah. 
Uh, so I do have one play of the game. And this was actually kind of tough to think of. Like I was sitting there racking my brain, like what would be my play of the game? Cause there wasn't just like one phenomenal play or one momentum shifting play. Um, but I will say my, my play of the game was solely based on beautiful interior passing. Uh, there was a play where it was in the second half, uh, who was it? Phillips uh, caught the ball. I don't know. Just it wasn't on the block. It was it was a little bit higher than it. <clears throat> Adu slipped behind him, and he made a beautiful bounce pass uh, between two defenders to Adu, who yeah. you know scored. It was it was really really pretty. Beautiful it was rebound. Josiah missed. I mean, uh, Jonas missed a three, and then followed his shot and just kept cutting. And Kate Phillips got the offensive rebound and hit him on the cut. Uh, all right, there you go. Um, it was just, you know, beautiful interior passing. So that's why that was my play of the game. Um, let's see. already got some comments coming in here. Uh, Zach, welcome, buddy. Uh, Zach said the Adu pass slash rebound slash dunk is mine. That might be the same play we're talking about right now. I think he's talking about um, Jonas found Josiah, made a really nice pass, and Josiah's shot kind of rimmed out. But Jonas was following it and got a tip dunk um, follow. Uh, let's see. Zach said, you know, Adu's been playing really, really well so far. Uh, Zach also said he called the Georgia Southern score prediction, which he did. He did. He nailed it. Uh, 56 points, but he said I was way off on the ball score. So originally Zach said like 150 points or something like that. I think well, <laughs> at halftime, I mean, we said 90 to hundred and at halftime we were on pace for 98. Yeah. And then the second half, they just decided we don't have to play anymore. Yeah, and 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 almost backfired on him. Uh, Papa Jay, welcome, Papa Jay. Good to have you with us. He said, "Man, I hope we can at least be Elite Eight. I, I totally agree. Uh, they certainly, uh, especially if Phillips or well, I mean, Tobey is playing well, um, but if they have one other big guy really step up to to who can give some positive minutes, it'll be hard to hard to beat them in March. Especially if their guards can make free throws. That's the biggest thing. They have so many people on the floor who can make free throws." So, you know, when the, when the, uh, when the going gets tough in the last few minutes and you have to, they're being fouled to intentionally stop the clock. If they have a lead, you protect that lead by making free throws. So if they can do that, then, you know, they have an excellent shot of continuing to win in March. Uh, Zach said he originally said 106 to 56. So, uh, he nailed half of it for sure. Uh, the only 10 you see said, Hey guys, I haven't been watching basketball, spending too much time watching these constant portal updates. So I'm here to be caught up. <laughs> it's almost impossible uh, to keep up with at this point. Yeah. I mean that I would, I would be very curious to know the total number of players who have entered the portal since last Monday. It officially opened last Monday, 1,138 players entered the portal on Monday, December 4th. Uh, I would be very curious to know the actual total number across the country of how many players have entered it. Uh, news broke tonight that Malik Murphy at Texas is going to be entering the transfer portal. But here's the thing about that one that really gets to me. And, and I hate, I hate this part of it. You know, I'm not a, a lot of people are like, Oh, the transfer portal is terrible for sport and stuff like that. I'm, I'm not fully in that camp. However, uh, I don't think what's happening with Malik Murphy should ever happen right now. And what I, what I'm, what I mean by that is Malik Murphy will not be with Texas during the college football playoff. Now 
that is not cool in my opinion. And that was his choice, by the way. Uh, he, he could have waited until after the playoff to enter the portal, but he chose not to. And because of that, that he, he even said, you know, the timing of it with trying to connect with other teams, it wouldn't work. And so he had to make a decision essentially to leave the team, even in the middle of a national championship run. And you're in the final four teams in the country. I, I don't know about that. Um, uh, I mean, he was their backup quarterback. He beat out Arch Manning for the backup quarterback spot. Um, that one rubs me the wrong way a little bit there. Um, since since Monday, well, I mean, it's just Wednesday, but um, one weekend, Monday night, there was a little over 1,500 in the portal. Yep. Uh, Zach said the craziest so far is Riley Leonard at, at Duke going to Notre Dame. Uh, why you lose one game and you're out. Uh, potentially. Well, next year will be different. If you lose one game, you're in, essentially, because you'll have a 12-team playoff. But um, the current the current situation, the current setup, yeah, you would be out if you're at Notre Dame and you lose one game. Um, Zach asked a really good question earlier. Before we went live, Zach was prepared. He said, what's the true meaning of VFL? Is it someone who stays one year? Or someone who stays four years, then leaves for another school, like a graduate transfer situation. Or someone who stays throughout and goes pro in their sport the whole time at Tennessee. He said, I say uh, you should have to stay at least four years to call yourself a VFL. Um, I would say the caveat to that would be situations like Hendon Hooker. Hendon was at Tennessee for two years. I would venture to say we would all think he's a VFL. I would say he views himself as a VFL. Uh, so I'd say that, you know, there's definitely some case by case basis on that. Um, I would say any player that walks at senior day or misses their senior year because they go pro as a junior. If you do that four year thing, there's NFL guys that leave after three. Um, so I would say anyone who actually finishes their career at Tennessee. That's a good, that's a good criteria. Absolutely. Um, what well, has been interesting tonight, uh, as you mentioned, you know, p- people could potentially leave after three years to go pro, which probably is what's going to happen with Nico, just to be honest. Um, what has been fascinating tonight has we as a collective fan base are already way probably overreacting for next year's schedule. (laughs) It has been glorious to watch on Twitter and on X. Uh, Side note, if you are joining us on Twitter right now or X, welcome to you. Um, If you have questions, you can ask them and I'll see the notifications. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, I can put them on the screen. But if you're on X, just go ahead and comment and I'll see it and we'll answer it. But here is Tennessee's 2024 football schedule released this evening uh sec network and espn it was broadcast on both networks the call it the 2024 sec schedule release program if you have not yet seen tennessee football's official schedule release video it is fantastic i would recommend watching that um after of course we we do this um just a spoiler um if you haven't seen it when it gets to the Vanderbilt slide, pay close attention to the picture of the stadium. 
Yes. <laughs> it was priceless. <laughs> it's pretty good. Pretty good job. And it was not, it was definitely chosen on purpose. It was not for sure. Random selection. For sure. Um, the only Tenny C said because coaches have the power to bring you in and send you pack, and you can only value a VFL by way of contribution. Doesn't have to necessarily be on the field. Um, I mean, that's that's fair. Uh, I mean, I'm sure some of the guys that have entered the transfer portal did not enter the transfer portal of their own volition. So I think that's a fair statement. You know, coaches can essentially have players removed. Yeah. Um if somebody if somebody has senior day at another school i just don't even if it was a situation where they were told hey you need to go i just can't i can't fathom saying there's something other than a transfer i like what zach said here he said nico's gonna lead us to back to back to back natties (laughs) i don't think nico will be here for the third one but um but if he did I'm all for it, you know. Um, that that would be Leonard, that Riley Leonard deal is interesting because you know Notre Dame uh, signed Deuce Knight. So if I'm him, I'm kind of wondering. Okay, last year they went out and got Sam Hartman. This year they went out and got Riley Leonard. Are they gonna do that again next year? Um, you know, are they just gonna become the school that goes and signs the top grad transfer quarterback every year? That's a fair question. So Tennessee's 2024 schedule, let's go through this game by game and we'll just go ahead and make way extremely too early predictions because we don't even know who's going to be on the team yet next year. <laughs> um, but uh, for the sake of fun, let's let's go ahead and talk about it. Uh, starting in August, I love it when we kick off in August because the you it will be like clockwork. Every year uh, we kick off in August on July the 1st. I will tweet, we can now officially say that Tennessee plays football next month, (laughs) even though it's one day shy of two months after that. (laughs) Uh, So August 31st against the Mockingbirds of the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. Um, I'd say that'd be a win. What do you think, Rustin? (laughs) If it's not, then the whole rest of this thing's in a lot of trouble. Yeah, it's kind of doesn't matter at that point. Like Joey Tribbiani said, it's like a cow's opinion. It's moo. It's a moo point. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, September the 7th, that is a, actually, that is a neutral site game yeah. in Charlotte, North Carolina against the Wolfpack of North Carolina State. Now, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to try to approach this from a, uh, Zach said, week one, huge win. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try to approach this from a, unbiased as possible perspective and if we're looking at north carolina state they're losing their best linebacker um i i mean you gotta you gotta think that that's gonna be a win um but who knows you know a lot of people are like man we're gonna just dominate next year with nico at quarterback we haven't seen nico at quarterback yet we don't know what that's gonna be like yet so but you gotta you gotta think that the NC State game and a neutral site would be a win. What do you think? Yeah, they got Grayson McCall uh, this morning, so that's an upgrade at quarterback for them. Um, But I just don't see enough talent on that roster to overcome the talent we would have, even even what we have returning. Um, I tell you, you talk about Nico, 
you know, a lot of people keep talking about Nico, but hey, we're one play away from Jake Merklinger being the guy. Yep. You know, and For everybody's now. and everybody's raving about Dylan Sampson. We're one play away from Cam Seldon being the guy. Yep. Like we've got to find depth in the backfield and find it in the portal and find it in a hurry. Um, because um, it doesn't take much. I mean, one play right. is all it takes. Your whole season can change in one play. Just ask Kendon Hooker. I'm loving some of the comments that have come in so far. The only Tennessee said, I'm glad our young DBs and safeties will get their feet wet with Chattanooga. I agree with that. I would actually be curious, though, by the time the, that game rolls around, if our DBs are young. Yeah. That would be my question because the kid from Morgan State who's on campus, he, I think he was on campus today yeah, uh, or sometime recently, that kid's a player. Um, yeah. If he comes, he's starting. Like, that's that's <laughs> that's, that's, that's no doubt about it. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see who is back there because I don't think we have any idea who's going to be back there right now. And we also, we also offered a grad transfer from Villanova, um, who's gotten a ton of interest from SEC schools, you know, so he's, he's a fifth year senior, you know, so we're, we're definitely looking for guys who are going to bring veteran presence. Uh, the only Tennessee said, to be honest, there are a lot of power five teams that are one play away from death disaster. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, look at, look at Florida state with their quarterback situation this year. I mean, you're exactly right. Ricky. Gosh. Welcome Ricky. <laughs> uh, Ricky's a very good friend of ours. <laughs> um, he said, we know it'll be better than overthrow Joe. Uh, I can't say I agree with that. Um, yeah. I would Joe present your work. What body of work do you have that proves that that comment? Yeah. Uh Joe had over 3000 yards of total offense this year. Um I don't know. I can I can't say that I 100% agree with that one. Uh Zach said let me take my orange sunglasses off and put my checkerboard ones on. Huge win against NC State. <laughs> I like it. Uh Zach said he's already purchased his national championship tickets for next year. He's ready to go. <laughs> I love you, Zach. Hopefully that was from a reputable site. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, so September 14th, uh, home game against Kent State. Uh, I mean, come on, that's a win. Uh, I mean, I think we could all agree that's a win. So um, let's not overlook the golden flashes, please. That's true. Hey, didn't uh didn't Nick Saban go there? I don't know. I think Nick Saban went there and played there. They're a Josh Mancuso skit waiting to happen. I mean, their yeah. their mascot is an eagle, but somehow they're called the Golden Flashes, and they got real creative. The mascot's name is wait for it, Flash the Golden Eagle. <laughs> Somebody is paying out some big money for that. <laughs> the creative department was on fire. Uh, the only thing you see said she's ready to buy Zach's tickets for half price. <laughs> um, let's see here. Now this is where it gets interesting. Week four, uh, September 21st. So they have a bye week on week four and then the fourth game of the season, which would actually be week, excuse me. I'm sorry. I totally messed that up. They have a bye week after September 21st. Um, so week four at Oklahoma. Now, if you watched the, uh, broadcast tonight on ESPN, 
um, where they were unveiling the schedule. They actually had a coming back from a uh, commercial break. They almost said timeout (laughs) coming back from a commercial break. They had a whole like little video intro, you know, and, and promo for this game already, you know, hyping, see what I did there, uh, this game by talking about Josh Heupel going back to where he played. And it was, I mean, it was probably a minute, minute and a half long little video promo for it. A lot of Heupel highlights from his days at Oklahoma. So they're already pumping this game up as Heupel's return to Oklahoma. Here's my take on this game. Tonight, I read where think this is going to be Oklahoma's offense next season. They have lost their quarterback to Oregon. They've already lost their offensive coordinator. And as of tonight, all five starting offensive linemen have now entered the transfer portal. So Oklahoma's offense next year is going to have a brand new quarterback, a first year offensive coordinator at the school and a completely new offensive line. That doesn't sound like a recipe for success, in my opinion. And unless they sign somebody in the portal, a true freshman and a redshirt sophomore fighting for the starting quarterback job, neither of which have played meaningful snaps. So I'm going to say that's a win. (laughs) With, With a brand new offensive coordinator in Seth Littrell, who is not a Jeff Lebby guy. He's an air raid guy. He coached at North Texas. Before that, he was an assistant under Mike Leach. So he's going to shift the offense a little bit. Jeff Lebby runs Josh Heupel's system. Seth Littrell runs the true air raid. So that might be why a lot of those linemen are jumping in the portal. They're not real excited about stand up pass blocking every down and just getting punched in the mouth over and over. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm not buying that stock. Uh, I think, I think we beat Oklahoma. I mean, I understand completely that this would be Nico's first true road game. And obviously that's a, that's a difficult uh, first true road game. It will actually be his first SEC game, which is kind of weird to say that since it's Oklahoma, but that's the yeah. new, new normal now. Um, but it would be his first true road and SEC game. It's not going to be easy. So I don't think it's going to be a lopsided win by any means, but um, it's hard to, to look at Oklahoma literally with an, a whole new offense uh, and a whole new offensive set of players, you know, uh, it's hard to look at that and be super confident if you're an Oklahoma fan. So I'm going to say the Vols win that, and that's 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 without my orange-colored sunglasses on. So, you know, the only Tennessee said, wow, the, the portal giveth and the portal taketh away. She's exactly right. Um, Technically, it'll be Nico's first SEC start. He played against, He played against Vanderbilt this year. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So after Oklahoma, we have a bye week and boy, howdy, do we need it? Because October is going to be a gauntlet. (laughs) Um, October is going to be a, if you're a Vols fan, October will be a lot of fun. But um, if you're a player, it's going to be a gauntlet. 
So after that September 21st game, week five, we have a uh, bye week. And then we start October at Arkansas. So we actually have back-to-back away games. And so October 5th is at Arkansas. We have no idea what Arkansas is going to be like. No idea. We know they got Bobby Petrino back as their offensive coordinator, but we don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for them. They're going to they're gonna have to go raid the portal because they got nothing. So, I mean, we, we don't have any clue what that's going to be like. So, from the sheer fact that we don't know what that's going to be like, I think, you know, uh, unbiasedly and objectively speaking, it's hard to say that, you know, Tennessee can win back-to-back road games in the SEC, especially when it's two really good opponents, Oklahoma and Arkansas. But we don't even know at this point what Oklahoma's or Arkansas is going to have on their team. So it's hard not to pick Tennessee in that one right now. It's hard, unless, to, hard not to pick them. Unless they just kill it in the portal, they're not going to be very good. I think I'm having a four and eight season looking at them. They've got the a tough schedule and they're just not very good. The only 10 you see made a good point. She said, I know we better win those Oklahoma and Georgia games. I'm not doing another year. The can't win on the road narrative. Amen, sister. Uh, I totally with you on that. Amen. So when you look at the first five games of the season, I mean, really, honestly, you got three pretty tough you know, matchups, not by, you know, by any means they're not easy. And you've got two matchups that you should win. So as unbiasedly as I can at, for, at this moment, from what we know right now, and obviously this is extremely far away, but from what we know about these teams right now, I don't, I don't know how anyone could objectively say, there's not a pretty good chance that Tennessee is five and zero at this point. They, it looks like they're going to be five and zero. Zach said, "You know, he can't be the only one thing." And you're right, I agree. I mean, at this point, they got to be five and zero. Uh, the only Tennessee said it's a favorable schedule so far. I like it. I agree. So now we get to back to back weeks in Neyland that are going to be just epic and rocking. When I, uh, somebody please let us know this in the comments, somebody look it up for us. If you don't mind, when was the last time Tennessee played Florida in October? Um, I remember in 2001, they had to make up the game. And so it was like in, I think in December actually, wasn't it? And like the first week of December, I could be remember, misremembering that, but I, I know it was way later in the year, definitely past October. Um, So when was, when was the last time, Tennessee played Florida in October. Uh, we know from uh, Tennessee's, uh, you know, official fo- uh, Tennessee football Twitter account. We already know the 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 day and the time, I believe, as well. Um, yeah, the time they said. Uh, or no, wait a minute, hang on, that was a different one. No, yeah. we all we know is the date. So, no, it's um, going to be the evening game. Um, they. They already announced that because it's going to be one of those Manning cast games. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was, I was just thinking that the afternoon so, game, the afternoon game is old miss and they went ahead and announced that because Eli and his dad are going to Manning cast it. 
and then Peyton and somebody are going to do the evening game. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I mean, talk about a cool thing for college football, uh, that there'll be two Manning cast games next year. Um, you know, that that's really, I think the Ole Miss game is Ole Miss LSU. I could be wrong. I could be wrong on that. I think that's um, what it said. But the Tennessee-Florida game will be a Manning cast game. So that's, that's really, really cool. Um, so October 12th, Florida at night in Neyland. I mean, I know it's Florida. I get that. We never play well against Florida. I know Nico, it'll be his first time against Florida in Neyland. I don't know, man. Florida's schedule is just brutal. Brutal. And Florida's roster is getting worse by the day. Yep. And, you know, they were already, they were saying tonight on that show, the the live reveal, exactly what Rustin and I have been saying for the last several months. Florida's schedule next year literally may be the most difficult schedule in the history of college football. That is not an exaggeration. Yep. Um, I, I just don't see that by this point in the season, there's already going to be, my goodness, there's already talk about how Billy Napier might be on the hot seat by that game in next year's season. There's no doubt about it. He's going to be squarely on the hot seat. I, I think it looks good for Tennessee. It's hard to say, yes, it's a win, but I, I think I, personally, if I'm trying to be objective there, they should win that game. They just should. Yeah. Now, will they? Who knows? Because it's Florida and we have this crazy, weird issue with playing Florida. I don't get it. But should they win? They should. Um, Robert, welcome, Robert. Good to have you with us, buddy. He said, I believe we'll be a great team. Believe they're upgrading the secondary. I agree with you. I'm glad you mentioned that. We'll talk about that here in just a minute, actually. Uh, Zach said, should be 9-0 going in the Georgia game. Speaking about the Florida game, Zach said that payback is a uh, – I'm sure he means uh, uh, dish served cold. <laughs> uh, that's that's what he that's what he means there. <laughs> uh, the only Tennessee said getting beat by Florida this coming up year we would be the epitome of our embarrassment. They're hanging by a thread. Agree. Yeah. Agree. <clears throat> um, she said it'll boil down to being out coached if we lose. I don't see it happening. I guarantee you, you will see Billy Napier going for it on fourth down a whole lot that game. Zach said it's a bunch of stale cookies. <laughs> um, Rustin, you think that's a win against Florida? Yeah, because I'm curious to see if Florida even has half a roster at that point. Um, I mean, these guys are jumping ship like there's no tomorrow. You know, he just lost his best running back. Um, right now, he has two scholarship quarterbacks on roster, a true freshman and a backup transfer from North Carolina State. That's it. Um, it's it's going to be bare bones, um, you know. And they're not they're not winning in the portal. They're not getting anybody. So, and they got a couple more guys that are considering jumping in the portal that are key players. So well, I just, they lost Travis Etienne. Et, 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 I don't know. Et, they lost their running back. <laughs> their best player. Uh, I mean, let, let's just be blunt. Yeah. He's their best player, and. Him yeah. and the Pearsall kid. Yeah, and I think he'll probably go pro. I don't I don't see him staying around. 
I think once he gets his draft grade, he'll be going. Uh, Rusty, welcome, Rusty. Good to have you with us. He said Florida will play their game of the year in Knoxville. <laughs> I totally agree. Hey, that's our batter ball syndrome coming in, kicking in right there, buddy. He said, but they might not have enough roster. Uh, agreed. Uh, you know, that, yeah, it, it'll be very interesting to see who stays the remainder of this offseason in Florida. Because let's be honest, Florida's not bowling right now. Uh, they got a bunch of guys who are sitting there watching all their buddies tra- hit, hit the transfer portal and seeing all these other guys jumping the transfer portal all over the country. And you know they're sitting there looking at this schedule going, well, we're probably not going to win much next year. Some of them might jump in the portal between now and, and the close of the window uh, next month just because of what they expect to happen next year. Um. Oh, Rusty said Pearsall declared for the draft. Yep, that doesn't surprise me either. Um, Zach said that's the main reason they won against us as a running game. I totally agree. Same thing with Missouri. Um, Carl said falls by 50. <laughs> I love it, Carl. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Uh, so Rustin, are you in agreement with me that at this point we should be six and oh? Yep. All right, so if that's the case, and we're six and zero heading into the third week in October, can we expect to have what I would assume would be Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet, since it's ABC now, uh, in Neyland on October nineteenth for the third Saturday in October? Yep. What I'm going to let you go first because I don't think people like mine on this one. What do you what do you predict for this game? <laughs> I don't think we can beat them. Um, I don't <laughs> They're going to have almost everything back. They're they're going to be a year bigger, a year stronger, and a year better. Um, yep. You know, they still have Jalen Milrow for the first time in a long time. They're actually probably going to keep um, you know their offense intact. So um, you know, I think they'll just. I think I think they might be the front runner for the national championship next year, and I'm still not convinced that they aren't going to win it this year. So. You know, I think they'll ride the momentum of this postseason into next year and walk in number one to start the season. Yep. Uh, I think that's a pretty solid prediction. Um, I don't I don't think we beat Alabama next year either. Uh, I mean, you've got Jalen Milrow against Nico. Uh, I mean, maybe the year after that, Nico has some, you know, a little bit more experience under his belt, but yeah, I just don't see us. I just don't see us beating them. Uh, Zach does though. He said seven to zero next. <laughs> uh, the only thing you see said it depends on how our offense is clicking, how well Nika does with his legs. I agree. I totally agree. And how we how we can protect him. So here, that's my major concern going into next year. Um, Zach said, "Remember, I said, remember, I I said that two years ago, guys." Uh, she said enough offense and we make that a game. No, I agree with that. I think it could definitely be close. Um, uh, you know, for sure. Here's my concern right now. We are celebrating the fact that John Campbell and Gerald Mincy are both coming back next year because we are desperately in need of offensive linemen right now. Um, Cooper's coming back. I mean, I don't think that's been officially announced yet, but he's coming back. So, we know we know Javante Spragans is coming back. So four 
of the five starters from this year will be back next year. That's fantastic. Technically all five, because if Andre Carrick hadn't gotten hurt, he would have been that fifth starter and he's back. So really it's all you, five. You just said the key word though, hurt. Yeah. Um, we saw firsthand this year, all five starters on the offensive line missed time due to injury. And it wasn't like a little bit of time. Like it was, you know, a game or more. I mean, like it was, you know, Cooper missed three games. Uh, we, we have to, we, I, I tweeted this at one point during the season, the season in the sec, you can't just have five offensive linemen. You, you essentially have to have 10 because you're going to need all 10 because they're going to get injured. They'll have a running back roll up on their knee. They'll have, I mean, there, there's so much that can happen. You got to have as many dudes there as you possibly can. That's just the reality of the situation. And so we are in desperate need of offensive line depth right now. The good news is we've got a really strong offensive line class coming out of high school, but Offensive line is a development position. Uh, it is a rare dude who can step in and contribute solidly as a true freshman on the offensive line in the SEC. Can it happen? Sure, of course it can. We've seen it happen at Tennessee. Is it rare? 100%. So we got to have some portal guys coming in the offensive line in a bad way. Like we just, we have to. Uh, let's see. Carl said our defense may be the difference. <clears throat> Maybe not just in that Alabama game, but as a whole for the whole season, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with our secondary over the next two months. No, less than that. The next month. Yeah, really um, the next three weeks. Yeah, for sure. Um, the only Tennessee said we can pull an Auburn guys home field advantage is real. That's fair point. That's fair point. Um, no one expected Auburn to do that well against them this year. Uh, who knows, right? Who knows? Anything can happen. Um, Zach said, and just another thing, Bama should have three losses right now. I get that with the Auburn game. Um, I understand that. Uh, we were up 20-7 to seven on them at halftime and totally laid an egg in the second half this year. Uh, Rusty said, we need to hit on one of these portal tight ends. I can block. Totally agree. Personally, I think they're going to get the kid from Notre Dame. I have yeah. no insider knowledge of that. I don't talk to that kid, but based on how it appears online, it would seem as though they're going to get the kid from Notre Dame. Um, I think, honestly, that's why uh, Eccles flipped to South Florida with Alex Golish because they are getting the kid from Notre Dame. I think that's why the kid from Connecticut did not come on his official visit because he knows they're getting the kid from Notre Dame. Um, I think all of those signs just indicate that that's where that's going to go. But I agree. We need one bad. Like we need one. Um, There's two portal sessions and the second one comes after spring practice. So even if you don't get somebody right now, there's a lot of shifting and changing happening in coaches around college football. And all it's going to take is Bobby Petrino showing up at spring practice at Arkansas pissing off the wrong tight end and all of a sudden there's a really good player in the portal. Um, and yeah. that will, and that will happen this spring. There will be guys and all these shifts and changes of coaches 
there will be another portal season that's going to shock people and they're going to be like, why is that guy in there? Um, you know, just because you're good doesn't mean you jive with certain staffs. Uh, let's see. The only Tennessee made a good point. Uh, or uh, I was thinking about different things she said, but this one cracked me up. She said, don't worry, I've already spoken to Oklahoma's offensive line. <laughs> uh, if you which, missed this earlier in the show, literally. Which ones? Who's left? Is there anybody <laughs> in the room? Uh, if, if you missed this earlier in the show, what, what the only Tennessee is referencing is all five starters for Oklahoma's offensive line as of tonight, the fifth one entered tonight, are now in the transfer portal. So they will have an entirely new offensive line next year. Uh, come on down. Uh, that's all I got to say. Come on down. I agree with her. Uh, Rusty was talking about the Alabama game. He said that was such a weird game. He said we needed to be up 28-7 and a half to win that game. Um, yeah. And, I mean, it was – I agree. It was, it was a tale of two halves, no doubt about it. Um, all right, that's a good point. Only Tennessee said, remember, we didn't grab our portal guys, Keenan Peely and Gabe Judy Lawley, until January. They were quietly enrolled. So I'm still – very curious to hear officially from Gabe Judy Lawley that he is returning. I hope he does. They need him to return. I think he will, because I think really what he's doing is just testing out the waters of his draft grade. I don't think he's going to like his draft grade. Right. I think he's going to return. Uh, Zach made a good point. Oklahoma's offensive line can come to Tennessee and beat up on Oklahoma next year. <laughs> yep. So, Rustin, are we in agreement that uh, – by the end of October, we have a bye week, the last Sunday, or excuse me, last Saturday in October. Are we in agreement that going into that bye week, we are uh, six and one? Yep. All right. So kick off November uh, with a home game against Kentucky. Uh, that's a win. What do you think? <laughs> um, I, so I really like Brock Vandegriff. I got to see him play a lot in high school. He's a fantastic player. When he transferred to Kentucky, the first thing that went through my mind was, why? Like, when you look at this roster, I've got their roster pulled up right now. They might have to be the Colorado of the transfer portal this year just to field a decent offense. There is nothing left around Brock Vandegrift. Um, you know, Ray Davis is going to go pro. He's gone. There's no other running back in that room that's worth anything. Um, they're going into this bowl game with Devin Leary at quarterback and Devin Leary at quarterback. They do not have another scholarship quarterback on roster. If Devin Leary gets hurt in the bowl game, they have two walk-ons to pick from. It's like when they played a wide receiver against Tennessee in 2012. <laughs> yeah. Their best wide receivers going pro. He's gone. He was pretty Sorry much. That I brought that up to everybody. Yeah. Sorry about that. He was pretty much the only wide receiver. Their best tight end is going pro. He's gone. Like there's nothing left. And when you look at the guys behind him on the depth chart, there's nothing there. Like if I'm Brock Vandegrift, somebody should have gotten in his ear and said, are you sure about this? Like, have you seen who's around you? Um, they're going to have to sign a ton of dudes in the portal if they're going to be competitive. Right now, like I'm sitting here looking at their schedule right now.
I'm seeing six and six at best. Uh, the only team you see. Thank you so much for that. Uh, she's super chatted ten dollars. She said, "Gotta go, guys." Mom had successful successful surgery today. I'm glad that was successful. She said, "I need to care for her needs and enjoy it as always." Thank you so much for joining us, Only Ten. You see, uh, our hope, our prayers for your speedy recovery for your mom. Uh, we we are glad that it was successful, no doubt about it. Uh, so we really appreciate appreciate you joining us and for that super chat. That is awesome. Thank you so much. We really really do appreciate that. Um, speaking of Kentucky, uh, Rusty said they need to go after all those Florida and A and M transfers. He said, um. A&M now has 19 guys in the transfer portal. That'll grow. Um, Mike Elko is very much known as a disciplinarian, and Jimbo Fisher Fisher was very much not. So, you know, there's a whole roster of guys with discipline issues that are not going to do well with Mike Elko. That that list is going to get a whole lot bigger. Zach is saying that at this point they are 8-0. Uh, win against Alabama and Kentucky. He said, I love on the, there's another Tennessee podcast where a guy has a shirt that says we're Kentucky's daddy. He loves that shirt. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, apparently Rusty said Kentucky already has a receiver from Texas A&M uh, that's already committed there from the transfer portal. So at this point, I'm saying seven and one. And Tennessee has another home game. Uh, so, from for four straight games, five weeks because there's a bye week in there. But for four straight games in a five week stretch, Tennessee does not have to leave Neyland Stadium. That's pretty sweet. Uh, they have a home game against Mississippi State, November the ninth. So the week after Kentucky, uh, is there a chance Mississippi State has some things clicking by then with a new head coach? Sure. Um, Do I think that Mississippi State has the dudes to hang with Tennessee? No. Assuming Tennessee brings in the kid from Oregon State in the transfer portal in the secondary, assuming Ricky Gibson is playing really well by this point, um, at corner, because I'm sure he's going to be out there. Um, so do I think they have the dudes to line up and compete with Tennessee? I don't think they have the dudes that can match Tennessee. So I'm going to say that's a win. What do you think? So do all of our Mississippi State fans, because they love us. They do. Um, last year we predicted you would go 4 and 8 and you proved us completely wrong pulled off an unbelievable 7 to 3 upset of Arkansas and finished an incredible 5 and 7 your schedule actually got weaker so i'm going to let you go ahead and i'm going to go ahead and tell you i'm going to call 5 and 7 for next year congratulations <laughs> on that one game improvement i'm sure jeff levy will really enjoy it uh, Zach said, "Nine and Mississippi State's a dumpster fire right now." Um, I, I I agree that that is a win. So at this point, I'm saying eight and one. I think Rustin is too. Yep. Uh, then, so yeah, Zach said, "So they'll probably go six and six. <laughs> Hopefully for them, they will. They can go bowling." <laughs> um, 
I don't I don't see six wins on this schedule. I'll put it up there here in a second. So uh Georgia, November 16th. Uh, I enjoy playing Georgia later in the year. It brings some anticipation to the game. It's fun. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of having to go to Georgia on November 16th, though. Uh, I mean, they'll have Carson Beck back. They're going to have one of the most talented rosters in the country back. I don't see us beating them in Athens on November 16th. What about you? I'm not picking us to beat them until we actually do. So that means that at this point, we're both saying that Tennessee is 8-2. and two. And then when you look at UTEP and Vanderbilt, it's hard to say that both of those games aren't going to be wins. And so I'm saying 10 and 2 next season. Uh, that concerns me a little bit when I look at the schedule as a whole and I look at teams like Oklahoma, Arkansas, Florida, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to go 10 and 2. Um, I mean, they should go 10 and 2. Because Oklahoma, like we just said, entire offense is going to be different, including their offensive coordinator. Uh, our whole offensive line is changing. <laughs> Brand new quarterback. Like that, that should be a win. Arkansas. I know it's at Arkansas, but they don't even have a quarterback right now. So, like, I mean, uh, who who's or, gonna be that guy? So when I look at those situations. Florida is just going to be beat beat up by this point. I mean, I know it's only the fifth game into the season, sixth game into the season, but they're going to be beat up by the time Tennessee plays them because their schedules just it's tough, man. They got a tough schedule. So I mean, it's it's I agree with Rusty. I think this is I think this is a 100% spot on take. Yep. 9 and 3 should be the minimum. I 100% agree. But he said there's a lot of 50-50 games, though, and I totally agree with that. Um, I think, I mean, really, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Florida, those are the 50-50 games. Um, I think they should beat Kentucky. They should beat Mississippi State. They should beat NC State. And, you know, Georgia and Bama are really the only two that I look at and say, no, we're not going to win those. So I I think this is a perfect take by Rusty. I think 9-3 and should be the minimum. But there are three 50-50 games out there that, that could be tough. Um, Zach said, I will never pick against the Vols. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> he said, I'm, I might be a dumb Tennessee fan, but that's what I'll always do. Hey, man, I love it. You keep picking them, Zach. I love it, man. Like I said, I, I think <clears throat> I think what Rusty said is right. Nine and three is the floor. Um, Ten and two is probably logical. But I go back to what I said at the beginning. Either Jake Merklinger needs to be ready to go right away, or we need to find somebody in the portal. Yeah, we have to. Because Nico is a tall, lanky guy. And it is and he has spindly legs. And it's it's easy for tall quarterbacks to get rolled up on. And he's one play away from watching the whole season. Yeah, I mean, they have they have to find somebody in the portal. They they don't have a choice. because uh, Gaston Moore's gone. Navy Schuler is not the answer. I'm sorry, he's not. Um, hmm. So, you know, they have to find somebody in the portal. They have to. Uh, because you can't rely on Jake Merklinger to be the, the dude if he's the backup. 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, I agree with you. They got to find somebody well, in the portal. And ideally, they want a redshirt Merklinger. I mean, that's right. that's that system we talked about getting two years between every quarterback. Well, uh, and, and you know, you mentioned Nico needs to, for his own safety, health and safety, he needs to put a few uh, – a few more pounds of muscle on just to protect his own body. Well, Jake Merklinger is that times 10. I mean, Jake Merklinger is, he's just a tall, skinny dude right now, you know? And yeah. so he's, he's gotta, he's gotta have a, a season where he is not on the field a whole lot to develop his own body, to protect his own body. Um, you mentioned, we mentioned Florida schedule. We mentioned Mississippi state schedule. So let's look at Mississippi state real quick. I know this is super small, but, um, they have Eastern Kentucky. That's a win. Arizona State in Arizona at Arizona State. I don't know, man. That's going to be that's tough. A coin, that's a coin toss. Yeah, it's a 50-50 Ari- game. Arizona right State just got a good quarterback in the transfer portal. It's That's a 50-50 game for them. They have Toledo. Let's not forget, that is a top 25 team right now in the AP poll. Uh, in the last AP poll, they moved Tennessee out of the poll and put Toledo in the top 25. So that is a top 25 matchup. They might lose that. They they might lose that game. <laughs> it's in Starkville, uh, sure. so I gave it to them for that reason, but I had them at 2 and 1 right here. Well, I think I think probably what's going to happen is that Toledo is going to be a victim of their own success. Yeah. And all of all of uh their best players are going to transfer somewhere else for money. Like I I would venture to guess that would be the case. Uh then uh, Mississippi State has to go to Florida. That's a coin flip game. Or excuse me, it's in Starkville. That's a coin flip game. They have to go to Texas. That's a loss. They have to go to Georgia. That's a loss. They get to host Texas A&M. Who knows what Texas A&M is going to be like at that point? But uh, I don't I think, still think I still think it's a loss because I think Mike Elko is a really good defensive coach, and Jeff Levy will not have the horses yet to run what he wants to run. Agreed. Um, well, and Texas A&M just has better better athletes on their team right now. Um, they got Arkansas at home. That could be a win. That'd be, yeah. that'd be a tough one. I had them winning that seven one. to three. Uh, the UMass at home. That's a win at Tennessee. That's a loss. Missouri at home. That's a loss at Ole Miss. That's a loss. So, I mean, Eastern I had Kentucky. Them, I had them winning Eastern Kentucky, Toledo, um, UMass, Arkansas, and then I gave them a coin toss between Arizona State and Florida. I had them at five and seven. They might be able to get to six and six, but I doubt it. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Uh, Florida, good night. That this is just brutal, man. Um, Florida starts the season with Miami at home. Fortunately for Florida, it's at home. Then they host Samford. Oh. Still probably a loss. Probably. Uh, then they host Samford. Samford is obviously, you know, a bowl, bowl subdivision team, but they're actually a good bowl subdivision team. So this will be a win for Florida, but not by much. Uh, this is this is a good Samford team. At least it was this year. They might be a victim of their own success too. They might have people leaving. Um, Texas A&M, that'll be kind of it's – in, it's in Gainesville – That'll be kind of a coin flip game because who knows what's going on with Texas A&M by that point. There's still probably a better athletes left on their roster than Florida does. Maybe. Who knows? 
Um, that's that's a game that's just kind of up in the air right now. Mississippi State at Mississippi State. I mean, they'll probably win that. Who knows, though? Uh, UCF at, in Gainesville. I don't think they're going to beat UCF, personally. No, uh, I don't UCF. either. UCF beat Oklahoma by like a million points this year. It was crazy. Um, they got to go to Tennessee. That's a loss. They get to host Kentucky. Still probably a loss. Who knows? I mean, that'll be a coin flip game. Georgia, that's a loss. At Texas, that's a loss. LSU in Gainesville, that's a loss. Um, Ole Miss in Gainesville, that's a loss. Florida State at Florida State, probably a loss. (laughs) I mean, this ain't good uh, if you're a Florida Gator fan next year. Um, I mean, when you look at that, you're really only guaranteed – one I win. Him, I had him five and seven at best. Yeah, I think that's generous. Uh, if you they beat Sanford, probably Mississippi State. Maybe Texas A and M. Maybe Florida State. Maybe my. <laughs> I mean, I can see two wins. Maybe. Four, five tops. You say five and seven. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the ceiling, honestly. And so that that Florida Texas A and M game weirdly might come down to a current recruiting battle that's happening right now. Um, Florida has DJ Lagway committed to play quarterback, and he's probably going to be their starter because they have literally no one else. Um, but when A&M hired Colin Klein as their offensive coordinator, he made Lagway his priority and he has swayed Lagway into considering decommitting and going to A&M. If DJ Lagway ends up signing with Texas A&M, Florida has no quarterback. It's not an ideal situation if you're a football team. (laughs) It is always good to have a quarterback if you're a football team. So, I mean, that is, that is a, uh, a tough, tough schedule for Florida, a tough schedule. I mean, Zach said he heard that Lagway's looking at Florida state. That would make sense. Um, um it's, it, he's, he's opened, he's opened his recruitment back up, but it's really between Florida and A&M. Um, if y'all don't know who Colin Klein is, he was the offensive coordinator at Texas A&M when Johnny Manziel was there. And uh, Mike Elko was defensive coordinator at that time and, um, you know, had a high respect for what Colin Klein did. And so you're going to see A&M go back to a very up-tempo, fun, athletic style. They're going to spread it out. They're going to throw some air raid stuff. They're going to run a lot of zone read. Um, So he needs an athletic quarterback to do that. So DJ Lagway, I mean, I'm sure the whole recruitment uh, is just showing Johnny Manziel video and be like, this could be you. Um, You know, so if you're DJ Lagway, I don't know why you go to Florida, honestly. Um, You know, you're going to go play for a coach that's on the hot seat versus a coach that you know is going to be there for at least three years because A&M can't afford not to. Um and play under an offensive coordinator who loves to make the quarterback a showpiece and have fun and air it out. Yeah. 
so last thing for the night, uh, somebody mentioned earlier about, you know, Tennessee has six defensive backs in the transfer portal right now. Um, so question, should people be concerned? Uh, if not, why not? I think that's exactly what we said was going to happen. Um, I think there are in college football, especially, you know, sometimes as a junior or senior, there is a guy that gets signed behind you. And maybe as a junior, you're, you're good enough to beat him out, but it was close. But you know how much you changed between your freshman and sophomore year once you got in a college strength program. And you're looking at that dude behind you going, I beat him out this year after a year in a strength program. I'm not beating him out next year. I don't want to sit and watch him for my senior year. So I'm going to find somewhere else where I can play. And I think that's, I mean, if you look at all six guys that are in the portal, I think for at least five of them, that's the scenario. I think one just entered because he just knows he's never, ever going to play at Tennessee because he probably never should have signed at Tennessee to start with. But, um, you know, I think the other five, it's just the reality of these guys over here are better than me. And next year they're going to be a lot better than me. Yeah. Not, not, and like you said, not just, yes, the, obviously the physical element of it will be in the, the weight room for a year. That's a huge part of it. <clears throat> but then you also got to consider these guys have been sitting in a film room for a year. Now they know offenses better. They know what they're supposed to be doing against different types of offenses better. Yeah. So it physically and mentally, they're going to be more prepared. And if they have more natural talent, then it's, it's hard to beat that out. And so um, I think that's why we're seeing a bunch of folks enter the transfer portal right now. And I think Rustin made a good point. He tweeted out from our Volbro's account. He tweeted out, why are people upset that we're clearing house essentially on the one position group that everybody complained about all year, the last two years? Yeah. Um, you know, these, these are guys that we've been saying our secondaries, you know, we got to improve our secondary. We got, well, in order to improve the secondary, you have to have room to do it. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's not fun by any means. Cause you, you, you know, you appreciate these kids and what they did for the university. Um, you appreciate them putting their you know, bodies on the line on Saturdays. But if you want it to get better, then you got to have better players. And, and so hopefully that's what they're doing right now. And the other thing I said was kudos to Josh Heupel that unlike some coaches we've had in the past, he actually is willing to make the hard decisions and say, we got to get better here. Um, you know, we, yeah. we've had some coaches in the past that wouldn't pull the trigger on that. For um, sure. You know, and I, I think the other thing that's important, and you've probably said it three or four times in the last year, just because they're a year older doesn't mean they're a year better. And, you know, we had a bunch of guys in that secondary that played a ton of snaps. But if you look at the course of their career, did they ever actually get any better? Um, I think about the only one you could make a case did was Kamal Haddon. and. Sure. And sometimes watching him, I wondered, did he actually get that much better or are the rest of them actually regressing and it makes him look better? Um, you know, well, I definitely think his tackling got better after that Florida game. Something happened. Something happened after that. 
I think he got shown you got to start tackling people after that Florida game yeah. <laughs> because his he got way better at tackling it. That's why that's why I love Gabe Judy Lawley being back there. Is he is a a sure tackler. He is a as a confident tackler. He he uses great technique when he tackles. He wraps people up. Um, that's why I really really hope Gabe Judy Lawley is back. Just so everybody understands, Gabe Judy Lawley is not in the transfer portal. However, he did go through senior day activities and festivities on uh, senior day this season. So he has a year of eligibility left. He can return. Yeah. So we're hoping he's, that he does. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what we've said from the beginning. He's going to test the draft water, see what his grade is. It's probably not going to be great, and he'll come back. Absolutely. And Zach made a good point. He said, you know, on the flip side, just because you're a sophomore doesn't mean you, you can't lead your team to an eddy. That's right. I mean, uh, you know, look at uh, look at uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry. Started as a true freshman at Alabama. I don't think he's talking mm-hmm. about DBs. He's referring to Nico. Oh, you, you talking about Nico, Zach? <laughs> uh, so, I mean... There are dudes, there are special talents who come along that you just got to get them in the, on the field, you know? And so we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see from this recruiting class. I mean, you can think about this recruiting class. You got Boo Carter coming in. Uh, Boo Carter's a straight-up athlete. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And so uh, he was talking about Nico. He said the Heisman chants are starting already. <laughs> um. But he gave love to Bazooka Joe. <laughs> Speaking of Jake Merklinger, um, Josh Heupel and Joey Halsley were at his home tonight having dinner. So, I mean, when you when you look at the secondary for next year, if they have the kid from Oregon State back there, which dude's a player. I mean, he, yeah. you know, he he's a player. Uh, if they get him, that's that's a big win. That is a big win. If Boo Carter starts out back there, I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna find a, a more gifted athlete than Boo Carter. Uh, I'm, I'll go on the record right now saying, don't be shocked if he's returning punts next year. Yeah. Um. You know, just it would not shock me at all. Uh, at the very least, he's going to be the backup punt returner. Um, I think you will see him and uh, Cam Seldon returning kicks. They'll be the two deep people on kickoff return. But just go back and watch Boo Carter, his his punt return highlights from this year when he was playing some of the best schools in Tennessee, like Maryville and Alcoa and all these schools. It was like a, a man among boys. I mean, it was it was incredible watching him play. Uh, Rob, welcome, Rob. Good to have you with us, buddy. He said uh, Aaron Beasley's coming back, right? Um, I believe Aaron's uh, eligibility has run out. Yeah, he's done. So he, he was. Uh, this was his sixth year. He used his COVID year uh, this year, I believe. Yeah. yeah. What will be interesting? Starting, go ahead. Starting linebackers will be Keenan Peely and Arian Carter. What will be interesting is uh, if Brew McCoy comes back. 
that's the one everybody needs to keep their eyes on because that's yeah. an intriguing one. Jared, welcome, Jared. Good to have you, buddy. Uh, Jared's a good friend of ours. He said, who are the incoming freshmen that are going through bowl practice already? So Mike Matthews uh, saw this uh, tweet out, a photo of him and his family. Austin Price was referring to it. It's an article written by Matt Ray of VolQuest. Uh, uh, so to answer Jared's question, I know for a fact Mike Matthews is going to be uh, going through bowl practice uh, with the team. He, I think actually their first practice is this Saturday. And it said that he would be there on campus this Saturday to go through bowl practice with the team. Um, I have not yet seen other names for sure, um, but I Boo. bet Boo is probably one of them. Yeah, Boo kind of hinted that he would be there. Uh, so that's that's a really good question. Uh, Zach made a fantastic point. We got Keenan Peely back, and that is huge for next year. Well, and you mentioned Boo. We actually have some young safety talent that it's going to be a dogfight to get on the field at safety. You got John Slaughter, you got Jordan Thomas. Technically, Wesley Walker can come back. He has one year left. Um, you know, we've we've got some guys at safety that we could we could very easily play four guys back there. So, you know, I think Zach makes a good point with, with Keenan Peely coming back. You got Keenan Peely, Arion Carter, Jeremiah T. Lander, Caleb Perry. Elijah uh, that's Herring. A, Elijah Herring, yep. Um, I mean. Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith won't be redshirted anymore. He can play. That's true. Uh, that's a strong group. That's a really strong group. Our defensive edge rushers next year. Good grief. It's going to be a show, man. Yeah. It is going to be a show. Anybody, anybody watching this right now, go ahead and set your DVR uh, for every Tennessee game next year because you're going to want to watch our edge rushers. T teams will not want to play. If you're a quarterback on an opposing team, you're already got the game circled against Tennessee because you're going to have James Pierce Jr., Joshua Josephs, uh, uh, Jordan Ross, Shondavian Bradley. You're going to have all those dudes coming at you off the edge all game long. You don't want that. <laughs> um, it is it is not going to be fun. It is not going to be fun for opposing quarterbacks against our, our defensive front next year. So go ahead and, and remember that we said that. I, I, I look forward to seeing how many quarterback hurries, pressures, and sacks we get next year because man they're going to be all over the place on them next year it's going to be fun to watch um zach said he are you talking about boo zach uh or mike matthews one of the uh, probably mike matthews because i was talking about mike matthews a minute ago he said he watched high school highlights of mike matthews he's a freak in a good way that is 100 accurate uh he is a tremendous athlete um he said he's going to be a great target for Nico. Yeah, he said it. he's talking about Mike Matthews. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Zach said, you sure you don't want to say 12 and 0 like me? <laughs> um, unfortunately, I, I can't go that far. We'll see. We'll see what's going on. So, I mean, you think about the interior of the defensive line. They're going to have Bryson Eason back. He's returning. That's good news. Uh, they'll have David Hobbs back. That's good news. Um, Potentially Omari Thomas. I don't think it's going to happen, but probably Elijah Simmons. 
So, I mean, they got some they got some dudes coming back on the interior of the line as well. Obviously, you know, it'd be nice to get one out of the portal uh, to replace Omar Norman Lot. Um, but you know, they got they got some. I'm not concerned about the defensive line for next year. Uh-uh. Uh, the, they're going to be okay. And we hardly played guys like Tyree West, Tyree Weathersby. Like we've we've got some guys that sat on the bench waiting their turn that are really good. Yep. Yep. Zach said Peely's going to get five sacks in the first game. Mark it down. <laughs> um, Zach has yeah. no faith in the UTC offensive line. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine that poor quarterback for UTC? Like we, we love UTC. I, I grew up going, we live in Chattanooga. I grew up going, I remember being five years old at Chamberlain field, sitting in the, the next to the top row with the, uh, the people from our church, the, the pedagogues behind us. <laughs> uh, I think it was the pedagogues. Yep. I can't remember their last name. It was, yeah. Uh, you know, I remember going to games. I remember seeing Terrell Owens playing high in college at UTC. Um, so we love UTC, but whoever is going to be their starting quarterback next year, I do not want to be that dude walking in Neyland Stadium that day because he's going to have people flying all over the place after him. <laughs> that is not going to be fun for that dude. Well, uh, any other things you want to talk about, Rustin? No, I think that covers it. Uh, so very, very exciting time. Uh, we got a schedule all ready for next year, ready to roll. Uh, we'll see. I guess we'll see in the next couple of weeks if, uh, you know, it's going to be Nico or Joe in the bowl game. I guess we'll find out soon enough because uh, that's going to be happening pretty quick. I have a pretty strong feeling we'll be hearing some stuff no later than Saturday. Because if they show any team stuff on Saturday, we'll know if Joe's out there or not. <laughs> Running with the ones or not. So I mean, it kind of has to be both of them because we don't have anybody else. Gaston Moore's in the portal. So, yeah. I mean, it's them or Navy Shuler. So. Right. So it's either going to be the Nico show or the joe show one of the two um, i'll stand what i said from the beginning i think it's joe first half nico second half yeah i mean i'd, I'd be curious to know the uh, dollar amount in hypel's contract for a bowl win i would be very curious to know that because i think that will certainly play a role in uh how if joe plays how much he plays <laughs> he wants that bowl win well, well, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, next time we go live will be Sunday night. Is that the 17th or the 18th? I can't remember. 17th. 17th. Okay, thank you. So December 17th, this su- upcoming Sunday, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, uh, we will be going live. Zach said he don't care who's playing quarterback, just win, baby. Amen, brother. I totally agree with you, Zach. Totally agree. Uh, so we hope everybody joins us Sunday night. Uh, we'll have some info then about the bowl game because their first bowl practice is this Saturday. And so we'll find out this Saturday who's running with the ones in team sessions. If they allow the media to be present for that part of it. Um, very, very interesting, you know, thing going on this Saturday. So everybody uh, be sure to join us on Sunday as we talk about that. Uh, Zach said, good night for all bros. Love the show as always. Hey, we appreciate you, man. We appreciate you joining us. Um, so we hope everybody has a great, great night. 
Uh, go Vols, baby, and we will see you all very, very soon. And I'm going to do the football outro since we spent the vast majority of the show talking about football. So uh, have a great evening, everybody. <laughs>